Hi, welcome to Chatting to a Friend. I'm Katie Friend and in this podcast I'm chatting to incredible women about their life experiences and adventures as well as their thoughts on friendship, community, self-care, setting boundaries and how they keep healthy, happy and sane. Today I'm chatting to Elizabeth Barnes, former professional ultra runner and amongst other things, two-time winner of the gruelling Marathon de Sable. She has now turned her hand to sexology and couples therapy and we will be chatting all about her journey into ultra running, the hitting the wall, physically overloading herself and then we're going to be talking about sex basically and uh, how we can have better sex, how we can have better relationships. And in particular, we're going to be talking about how women can take control of their desires, of their feelings about their body, and really get what they want from sex and relationships. Hi, Elizabeth. How are you? Thank you so much for joining me today on Chatting to a Friend. Hi, Katie. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm super excited to talk to you. Yeah, it's very exciting. Um, I want to touch on some lots of different topics. Um, obviously, the, the purpose of this podcast is to talk to women about their journeys, their challenges, um, their self-care and sort of friendship and community. Um, I just want to do a little bit of background on you. You've had quite the change of career over the years, background in management consultancy after a degree in engineering. And then on to being a professional ultra running, well, a bit of a bit of royalty. Uh, so <laughs> I, I know that to be true. And now a sex and relationship therapist. When I first read those sort of fairly disparate careers, I thought that you were someone who had always followed their passions, but not according to your own website that says you didn't really start following your passions till about 2010. Can you talk to us about that? Yeah, um, yeah, no, so, um, so what happened was I, um, you know, I had a very successful career in consulting and I was working in London and I was working uh, long hours as you do and things were going well and I was very much focused on the next um, promotion because that's what you kind of get drilled into thinking about and, um, um, and then one day in February 2010, my father passed away, and it was um, it was all very very sudden and unexpected, and and that just made me think about life, you know, because I think when something like that happens to you, whether it's uh, someone close to you passing away or someone getting a terminal illness or you know something similar, it prompts you to reflect and to question things and the meaning of life and so I I went through a process of about maybe six months something like that trying to figure out what to do with my life (laughs) because I realized that I wasn't entirely happy that probably my choices had had been more maybe to do with what other people expected of me rather than something I actually really wanted to do. That is a a recurring theme I find in uh, uh, many women, certainly around my age, that you sort of make up these expectations or you don't, they are actual expectations and find yourself on a path that you weren't entirely convinced that you should have Mm. been on. Yes. Yeah, exactly that. You know, I I came from um, quite a conservative upbringing 
and um, I think my my parents had certain expectations in terms of education, you know, what I should what I should be doing, what I should be working with, and um, other people around you kind of have these expectations that you know you should form a family and you know do this and do that, and um, it's easy to I think to just fall into that really without thinking too much about it. You know, it becomes. It's just that the the societal norms like become the right thing to do, even if maybe they're not. If that makes sense, absolutely, it absolutely does make sense. And so you were already someone who ran. I mean, you had already run marathons and so on. You didn't just suddenly leap into being an ultra runner. No, I I started running. At, I mean, I have always done sports. I come from a, a kind of an outdoor family, and um, we have a, a history of um, some successful athletes in my family. And so it was a natural thing for me to be active from a very young age. And then I I started running in my teens. I had done some other sports before that. I ran my first marathon in two thousand and two. And I, uh, I actually, I really did enjoy that, and I enjoyed the process of training for it. And I realized that I was quite good at the endurance side and running those long distances. And so, and it's interesting now looking back at it actually with what I have achieved since then. But you know, when you take on your first marathon, it seems like such a huge thing, and uh, and it was, it really was. And I, I was very proud of myself when I had done it and it just gave me this taste for more. So I kept running marathons and um, I had done quite a few by the time my father passed away and, and that kind of happened. And that's when I decided that I would, well, eventually decided that I would venture into ultra running. And in terms of, we were talking about, you know, the expectations and uh, a fairly conservative upbringing. How was that viewed amongst your circle of friends or your community, your family at that time to sort of give up this successful career in management consultancy to put your hat in the ring at being a, an ultra runner? Yeah, that's an, that's an interesting question. See, that what happened was that I, so I grew up in Sweden and the Swedish culture is um, it's a little bit similar to Norway where I live now, but there are differences as well. But but anyway, it's, it's sort of this um, kind of um, socialistic <laughs> sort of culture where you know you everyone should should be the same and and uh, and I, I I sort of noticed that when I uh, studied and when I joined a consulting firm in Sweden after uni that everyone pretty much were the same you know you everybody came from one out of three universities pretty much mm. um very similar background very, very uh, similar sort of status and, and education and and interests and there were certain things that you know you you kind of should be doing and you should have a preferably you know live in this or that place and have a summer house there or there or you know go on holiday to these and these different places and everyone were very similar um, and then I moved to the UK and I started to work in London for the same company and um, that was very refreshing in that sense because there was so much more diversity and people from many different backgrounds. So actually, I found it more open in that sense, mm -hmm. um, less judgmental and more like I could be myself. And um, when I eventually decided to focus more on 
ultra running because this is a gradual process mm-hmm. you know you don't just resign one day and live from running the next right <laughs> it doesn't really work like that um i actually had a lot of support and you know my boss at the time was really great and um he supported me around part time and um so i i actually i didn't feel like that was um maybe a, a particularly sort of controversial thing to do or that I didn't have support for it mm-hmm. in that sense. Um, although, of course, there were people who questioned it and who maybe, you know, not, maybe not so much question it, but I sensed that there were people who were envious in a sense mm-hmm. that that maybe they also had dreams um, that they wanted to pursue, but they preferred to take the safe option. Yes, I do. It was actually is one of the questions I wanted to ask you, because obviously a lot of uh, what you have done over the years is change management, helping people with their running and now their relationships. And so change is a big feature um, in your career and your mm-hmm. life. And I wondered, you know, sometimes I find, well, I have found over the years that people fear change because it's easier to stick to what they know, you know, because it's easier, but even if it's not what they love, do you think that's one of the main drivers of that sort of envy, that sort of, well, I can't do it because I have a kid, I have, you know, I don't have the time, I don't have the money, I don't have that sort of thing. I'll just stay where I am. Yeah, it's it's probably, probably one of them. I mean, we, um, we resist change naturally. I mean, that's what, that's just what we do. Um, we don't like change, so we have to force ourselves into change um, or get forced into it by some circumstances that just happen. And so my life would have possibly looked quite a bit different if my father hadn't died at that point. You know, um, It was just one of those things that forced me to think it's easy to become so comfortable. And then, of course, with, you know, I think we are people who or or like humans need we need support Mm -hmm. from others that's how we are created we're not created to exist um in solitude and to do everything by ourselves and to be alone we seek support from a group and maybe that's why it becomes you you become a bit like the people you surround Mm -hmm. yourself with and and you you have this sort of culture in your community and um, it's you know it's um, not very strange that people become kind of similar, I suppose. And then you know you get your you do you do all of these things that are expected from you, and you come out from university with a big debt, and then you <laughs> you know you buy a house and you have a big mortgage, and then you have kids, and then you have a car, and then you sit there. And what are you supposed to do? You know because mo- many people get financially trapped, and so even if you want to do something else it's actually quite difficult to see how that is going to work yeah definitely and in terms of what the change into ultra running what did that bring you you know you had a a good few years from 2011 to 2017 seemed to be your or 18 so seemed to be your your big years I mean you you won some incredible things you won the marathon sab twice the Oman desert race third in the Everest challenge correct me if I'm wrong but what did it give you that you hadn't had before it gave me an opportunity to travel to some amazing places 
that otherwise I wouldn't have gone to, I think. And what I also really uh, have enjoyed about it is that, let's say you do a race like, you know, like the Marathon de Sable or something, and you're, and you're out in the desert with like a thousand other people, you know, you're all mm. equal, you know, everybody is there with a small little backpack with <laughs> everything they're going to survive on for the week. And we're in our running clothes and, you know, nobody really cares, you know, what you do for work or what your religious views are or how much money you have or anything like that. Um, you know, you're sort of stripped bare down to the person and the human being you actually mm-hmm. are, you know, without all of those other things. And I think that's very refreshing because it makes you sort of realize what's uh, what's actually important in life. I think it's I think it's mm-hmm. quite grounding and humbling. And I think I've read I've read somewhere before that you said you had a great admiration, always had great admiration for those towards the sort of two thirds to the back of the pack who are often out for twice the amount of time mm. the elite runners like yourself are there for. And they've had to you know, train for this huge thing while juggling a full-time job and families and so on. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. I mean, there are some uh, difficult challenges that come with running at the front and and winning races, but but there are also some huge challenges that come with, you know, and, and enduring an event like that at the back, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, which in some ways makes it, uh, I think a lot more difficult and, and that's just so interesting observing people's minds and and uh, realizing what really makes someone strong you know because I have seen people people pull out from races feeling really sorry for themselves but actually there wasn't really anything wrong with them and then yeah. I have seen others with like you know the most horrible blisters or injuries or or illness or whatever and they have just sort of powered on through um mm. and they have just gotten on with it and it's amazing you know the power of the mind and that's also very interesting to to observe because i think it just becomes so much more tangible in in an environment like that yeah you very kindly gave me the advice when i entered the half marathon de Saab in fuerteventura that if I just, you know, hiked and walked in the mountains here in Switzerland, I would be absolutely fine. And I was. And I remember on the day two, we were given the road book for the day and there was a huge amount of uh, climbing, mm. which is not like you get, I don't think you get that in Morocco, but in, in uh, Fuerteventura, there's a huge amount of climbing. And I remember this one woman, and by this stage, I had blisters everywhere. I'm a terrible blistered person. Mm-hmm. And there was this woman, one woman, fighting fit, took one look at the, 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 the amount of vertical and said, I'm not doing it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and I just thought, what? What? And I, I could not, I could not get my head around the fact that you just wouldn't even go out. But you know, you know, we don't know. Everybody's battling their own demons. Maybe she only, maybe she lived somewhere that was completely flat, and I don't know. But you know, it, it, you're absolutely right. The mindset and the the 
the challenges faced by people at the back. I'll tell you something, there's a lot more chatter goes on at the back. There's a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you that for free from yeah. my own experience. A lot more sort of, uh, oh, right, how are you doing? Should we stop and uh, just check your blisters? And <laughs> Good. Okay, so but then you, so you were very successful that. And then in that, and then in 2018, um, you, as you put it, you hit the wall. Mm. What do you attribute to that what do you think caused that and how are you or how have you recovered is it still an ongoing process so I uh, so if I start with you know what what led to that it's um it's not um that like one thing happened but uh, I would say that I I pushed myself hard for many years and I don't mean just with the running I mean just I'm just like that as a person when I do something mm. I like to do it well I like to be very thorough um and um even though I I wouldn't call myself a perfectionist now but I think other people would do that and certainly <laughs> have done in the past so so um so you know even when I was working I could work you know, I could work very long hours. I could survive in periods on very little sleep. And I think that um, when you are younger, you can do that. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, your body doesn't say no straight away. You have reserves. And so you can you can sort of do that. But I, I, I do remember that I did hit the wall sort of one time when I was working and I had to have seven weeks holiday after that and I slept through most of it and then I was fine. Um, but then what happened was I, when I started to make these changes in my life, you know, I was running ultramarathons, I was still working, um, it was a mix of full-time and part-time, I, I, I switched a little bit in between. Mm-hmm. I was building up a business, um, which, well, two businesses, and it was a lot of work um, so I was doing that on the side and then my, my marriage collapsed. And so in, um, towards the end of, uh, 2016, I was also going through separation. And so there was a, th- there were a lot of things going on. Mm. And in 2015 and 2016, I had done, I think each of those years, I did like, at least in 2016, I did five long multi-stage ultra races oh. that were quite extreme you know the 250 kilometer mm-hmm. type races and then I summoned all my energy and focus to towards Marathon de Sable in 2017 to go and win that which I did and afterwards I felt very 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 tired like very empty very tired and I think that going through that had taken a lot out of me the whole period mm-hmm. leading up to that but probably it culminated in that race and then I suppose I never really bounced back from that but I then went into a lot of work and and still had a the separation and it all took a lot out of me and I think that I tried to do everything I was like yeah I can do this you know I can run this business by myself and I can you know, I can still be a good runner and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But then I just, I, I think the body had just had enough and I, it was sort of just telling me to slow down. And 
And then I think I didn't really listen to that. And then it just sort of, yeah, put a stop to it. So it was quite, um, uh, how it happened was was very interesting. It was very physical, actually. So I um, was doing this trail event. And so I was... I was supposed to lead some some running groups. I actually <laughs> I actually had to abort the run. I couldn't. I I, I got to eight kilometers and I was like I can't run anymore. Mm. You know, like and so yeah, the body it was like the body just stopped sort of functioning, and I I realized that this is not this is not workable. Now I have to do something. If I if I carry on, I'm just gonna die, and mm-hmm. I have to do something. And what have you done to just to relate? I uh, not the same, but very similar. Uh, towards the end of last year, had uh, what somebody very aptly called the other day a reset, mm-hmm. where I just. I it wasn't so much physical, but a, a little bit more mental. Just hit the wall, and mm-hmm. so I understand that there is there just there's a build up, a build up, and you ignore it and you ignore it because you're you know you're a hard worker or you've got family or you've all of the above. Mm-hmm. So I totally, while I can't um, relate necessarily to pushing my body that hard, I had pushed myself to the point where there was just too much going on. Mm-hmm. So what what have you done? to aid recovery because you know that this for me it was quite drastic steps like I basically I just said no to everything Mm -hmm. I I cut that right down to the absolute bare minimum of looking after myself and the children and Graham my husband Mm -hmm. to start with what sort of things did you do yeah so so when this happened I I had met my my current husband and um and he was very very supportive so it was great because I just felt like I had his shoulder to lean on I wasn't on my own mm-hmm. and uh, and that helped a lot but what I did the first thing I did was I looked at my calendar and I looked at the things that I had committed to particularly uh, particularly the races that I had lined mm-hmm. up and I just said to myself, I have to cancel these races. Mm. Um, and so I did that. And I still had sponsors then, which so it's kind of hard. Yeah, I was going to ask. Yeah. When you make a living from running and you realize you can't run. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm not the only one in this situation. I have watched, you know, particularly female runners. I mean, they're just falling like dominoes. This is not uncommon. But mm. I, so basically I cancelled my, I cancelled my races. I said like, my health is more important. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I had also tried um, for a while to sell my business. Mm-hmm. Um, and I realized that now I really had to do that. So I, I created this, I'm quite a visual person and I, it's kind of a bit strange, but I, when I look at um, like time in terms of months in the year, I visualize it like kind of a, um, a bit of a, like a circle. It has a, kind of a shape in my head. And so mm-hmm. I drew up this shape on a piece of paper and I put down like milestones and I said, okay, I need to achieve this by that time and that by that time. And But it was, it was not like, you know, oh, I need to, 
you know, reach that goal or reach that goal. Reach that. It, this was about, it, it was like that, but it was about offloading stuff. Mm-hmm. So it was like a plan for me to do less. Um, whereas normally maybe you plan to do more, but I was planning <laughs> to do less. And so I was like, how can I do that? So I tried to make a plan to make that happen. And then I, I read a lot about health and nutrition and I came to the conclusion to uh, go plant-based and see if that would help. So that's what I did. And and then um, my husband and I, well, we weren't married then, but we are now. But anyway, we, um, we were able to borrow a friend's house in Morocco. And um, so we went to Morocco for a month. Yeah. And, uh, and I just tried to do as little as possible. So I slept a lot. And I bought local food and I cooked healthy food. And I was just trying to be kind to myself. And have you found since then, because I I did very similar, sadly not a month in Morocco, but (laughs) and then I sort of set myself the goal of saying, right, 2020 is going to be a really calm year. I'm not going to set myself any massive sporting challenges. I'm not going to take on X, Y, and Z. And as we know, 2020 has turned out to be a little more different than we all anticipated. Yeah. But, and for me, lockdown became a, a sort of an opportunity to do stuff. And I, you know, I'm in some ways similar, as in I like to be doing things. I like projects. I like taking on things, goals, whether it's you know, physical or mental or work or kids or whatever it might be. I have found, and I, so I'm interested to know what you found. How does somebody like you, who is always busy, who always wants to have something going, how have you managed to maintain that kindness to yourself without leaping from, you know, into the next project and the next project? Yeah, it's a difficult one. In the beginning and for quite a while, it it was sort of self-regulating because Mm. I was so tired that yeah. I simply couldn't. And so I just had to accept that. And I and I sort of did. Uh, I I think I just said to myself, okay, no no projects, no no plans. Of course I was thinking that eventually I'm gonna have to do something mm-hmm. because I have to make a living from something. Um yeah. but luckily I didn't have to you know, jump into work. I was, I was okay anyway, um, financially so that I could, yeah, like step off the gas, you know? So, um, it's, it's difficult, but I think, I think this kind of self-regulation with the tiredness and that it just meant I really didn't have much appetite to do something. And I, I Mm -hmm. think, um, it was almost just instinct. And so now, of course, I am a bit more busy again. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe the difference now is that I sleep a lot. Yeah. And do you notice the symptoms of of sort of maybe when you start pushing yourself too hard again and you think, uh-oh, I've seen this before? Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I have noticed that I was, you know, when, when, when COVID hit, Oh, be- before then, I was training again, and I was supposed to run the Marathon de Sable this year, and I had other races planned as well. So I, I had um, I had three races planned for this year, mm. and I was I was back in training, and I was doing okay, but I was a bit concerned what would happen pushing my body so much again, and I I felt in my I think I felt just I just felt mentally that I wasn't I wasn't entirely happy 
doing it anymore. I think I did it more because other people wanted me to do it. <laughs> Back into that old circle. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't see it, you know. Mm. I didn't see it. But but then, so when, when COVID hit, I, uh, uh, I just um, got some time to reflect on things. And I thought, well, actually, here's an, here's an opportunity, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> My races are getting cancelled. I don't have to run them. And maybe I should do something else. Maybe the time is right now to do something else. So, uh, and which is a very interesting something else that I really want to come on to in two seconds. But first of all, before you we move off that f- subject before, you also mentioned that you sort of changed up your, maybe your circle, your community, people that perhaps were no longer serving you in your life. Would that be a correct way of putting it? Yeah, t- yes. Not not as in maybe just uh, completely, you know, swapping circles or anything like that. But mm. but but actually, just realizing that there were maybe you know one or two relationships that were not very healthy for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we all have that, you know, that we feel sometimes that that there are people who maybe don't understand us, who just drain mm. drain our energy and, you know, maybe you try to make it work. But actually, I think sometimes, this is what I have learned through life anyway, sometimes you, you're better off just, you know, distancing yourself from those people and surrounding yourself with people who support you instead. And it's not always that easy because, you know, you have people that that are in your life and maybe you have to have some kind of relationship to them but um for me i i just had to minimize the negative impact on myself uh, and so i i did that and and then that made me feel um better yeah Good. Uh, I'm glad to hear that because, it, the, yes, as you say, it's a difficult choice, but sometimes uh, an important one for our own well-being. You know, I, I think of our community around here where we live in Switzerland and how I, you know, on the flip side, I probably would never have been as involved in sport as I am now if I hadn't been surrounded by such incredible role models and people who have very similar sort of outlook on that kind of thing. So it's about yeah choosing your your circle and uh, what mm. influences you and, and keeps you as you say energized and and not feeling drained mm. so let us move on to the latest incarnation of elizabeth barnes <laughs> sex and relationship therapist now i'm i i will be the first to admit that when i saw your instagram feed start start to change i was like what on earth is going on here <laughs> i don't think you were alone <laughs> Because one day we're looking at Elizabeth Barnes running, doing, you know, Trans Grand Canaria or pardon my mispronunciation, you know, or, you know, out doing workshops at La Santa in Lanzarote. And the next minute we're seeing a picture of her very attractive bottom in a pair of lacy knickers. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, With no explanation. Um, So (laughs) talk me through all that. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. No, so... um... Yeah, I suppose those kind of photos I think started before I before I started to actually study to the therapy and uh, 
mm-hmm. well, a relationship and, and sex therapy. And actually, I mean, you know, they are sort of not connected in that sense, I suppose. But um, no, you know what? I think, I, I don't know. I don't really know how to explain that one. But I I, um, I think that what, what has happened to me through this kind of process I've been through and, you know, meeting my husband and, and have being in a very, very supportive relationship and, and being more kind to myself. I think I have I have felt a lot better about myself and, and it's something that I have very much enjoyed. And I do follow I do follow a number of accounts of, on Instagram with with women that I think are very inspiring and it can be women of all sorts and shape of shapes and sizes. But mm. I I really love when women are not afraid to express themselves in whichever way they want. I love to look at, you know, beautiful curvy underwear models and whatever. And I and I think that in maybe in today's society, like we're so we're so quick to judge people mm. and and I don't think that women 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 carry a lot of shame um, around for all sorts of reasons and about a lot of things. But a lot of it has to do with our bodies and our sexuality. Mm. And I, I really think that something needs to change. And so one thing I would like to do is just to to kind of be there to be the sort of bolder person that mm. you know is not afraid to show her bum in some nice underwear you know whatever and 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 some people don't like that some people get offended and some people love it and think it's inspiring and um, I like to do it and so that's kind of how how that started so I'm mm-hmm. I'm sort of enjoying that and um, I do it because I enjoy it and because I want to and inspire people and then and then I started to study sexology and couples therapy so then of course I started to uh, to post more about those kind of topics and I have to admit it was it was a difficult decision like what to do on social media mm. um, it was very difficult they thought mm, should I keep this account just to running and start a separate one or you know what should I do and then I kind of thought well actually I got some opinions on it as well you know people said oh you have to you have to keep this separate you know they're different audiences you know you shouldn't be offending people or things like that but then I thought well you know I'm at the end of the day I am I am who I am Mm -hmm. I'd like to think that there are people in the running community who also have sex and uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and so I thought to myself, well, why is the audience different anyway? Like, and, and, and why, why can I not be myself? And maybe some people will think that this is interesting because perhaps otherwise they wouldn't have seen this. Maybe they wouldn't have followed mm. accounts like that. Maybe, mm-hmm. uh, maybe it wouldn't have been on their mind. And so I thought, I'm just going to give this a go and see what happens. And um, maybe a social media strategist or someone would have told me to do something different. I don't know. But, you know, I it was an interesting experiment. I've lost loads of followers. Because, really? Yeah, which I thought I would lose some. 
Um, but I've lost a lot more than I thought, which uh, I find interesting. And it's made me realize uh, how much this conversation is needed because people have such a big problem with other people talking about sex. Mm. And at the same time, I've had a lot of encouragement. A lot of people message me and saying, it's great what you do. And I've had people come to me who have followed me for running and they've said, oh, I see you're doing sex and relationship therapy. Actually, I have this problem. Maybe we can talk. Oh, wow. Um, Fantastic. And so so, so it, it's, it's been um, good as well. So overall, I would say it's been, it's been um, positive, but some people probably, you know, spat their morning coffee out a few times. <laughs> <laughs> Good. We all need to spit our coffee out occasionally. <laughs> Wakes us up. <laughs> but I like, you know what? I love to, I sort of, I love to provoke people as well. Mm. And, and, and I, I, um, I think it's, uh, it's necessary to do that. I mean, you, you, at the end of the day, you can't, you can't have a voice about something if you only want to be liked. If all you do is for the purpose of being liked by other people then I think there's something wrong with how you live your life, you know. Yeah, it's exhausting apart from anything else. Yeah, it's very exhausting, yeah. You can't, you can never know what other people are thinking or, you know, and so spending your life, and I know because I've spent large parts of my life worrying about what other people think. Mm. And I came to the conclusion that, oh, you know, quite some time ago now, thankfully, that um, not everybody likes me. And I, I'm okay with that because I think if everyone liked me, I'd be a bit boring. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, yeah. so and, and I think, and it is exhausting, as I say, it's just, you, you just can't know what other people are thinking. So you go around assuming and then you change your behavior because of something someone might or might not think. And you think, Jeez, I can't know. It's too it's too exhausting. Tell me, um, how is talking about sex, having more sex, having the sex that you really want to have, how is how is that a benefit to us? I mean, I think it's probably clear it makes us happier, but can you give us sort of scientific or, you know, physiological mental benefits of that? Well, I mean, first of all, like having having sex, you know, being touched and having orgasms releases a lot of, you know, good feel hormones in your body. And so it makes us feel happier and more relaxed. Um, and so so that's uh, that's very good. I also think that for women in particular, I think it is. It's very empowering to be in charge of your pleasure, you know, to, mm. to claim it. Because women grow up with a lot of shame around sex. Um, maybe we don't even think about it, but, you know, we're being told that if we like sex too much or if we have man many sex partners, then, then we're sluts. Um, mm -hmm. You know, there is a lot more talk about men's masturbation and women's masturbation you know it's not something that you learn about in school you know sex education is is about reproduction it's not about pleasure um you know most people don't even know the difference between a vagina and the vulva or can point out their clitoris you know we know that there is a huge orgasm gap in terms of mm. women orgasming much less frequently in in sex than men do and you know why is that why is it that we can't uh, actually feel that we can own our bodies that it's okay to have pleasure that we can take responsibility for it and not place the mm -hmm. responsibility on someone else for that or don't you know not think that we 
deserve it or that it's shameful. And so I think actually for a woman, having good sex, having fantastic orgasms, feeling like we deserve pleasure and taking it, I think is very empowering. And I think it's very good for you know, our self-esteem and our confidence and how we feel about our bodies in general. So I think it's something that if you can do that, it just enriches your life and who Mm. you are. And it sort of makes you like glow. I mean, you can see on a woman if she has good sex or not. (laughs) (laughs) I totally agree. Could not agree more. How would you, how do you go about telling people say that have perhaps been married for a long time or never been like that, even if they're not married, you know, even with different partners that they've never taken that sort of control? Are there small steps that can be taken to getting more empowered in that way? Yeah, I think I think there is maybe for everyone it's kind of a d- different journey because I think it depends what what lies behind your yes. your attitude to sex, your feelings about sex and your body, you know, it can be uh, yeah, I mean it can be past trauma or it can just be, you know, um societal cultural norms, it can mm. be religion. Um, it can be that, you know, you haven't been in a particularly good relationship, um, you know, so it's, there are lots of things, but I think that there is so much, um, material out there now. I mean, there, there are great books on this subject. There are YouTube videos, there are podcasts, there are mm-hmm. inspiring social media accounts. Um, so the information is actually out there. So it's about seeking it. And then it's, um, I think it's about also connecting with your body, you know, and actually yeah. feeling good about your body. We, we have a tendency of pointing out our faults. You know, I have mm. too much cellulite. My breasts are saggy or uh, my vulva looks strange or you know, I, I don't know. There's like all sorts of things. So I think starting to um, focus on positive things about yourself uh, mm-hmm. instead is is one thing. I mean, just stand and look, look yourself in the mirror and look at everything that's great about you and tell that to yourself out loud while you look yourself yeah. in the eyes and do that every day. And, you know, your perception of yourself is going to change. Then um, don't feel ashamed about um having pleasure you know masturbate um mm. take responsibility for your own pleasure when you have sex with someone that's also important you know yeah yeah um and maybe that's not so easy if that's not something you've done before but um i think that's also very important well it's a fairly big metaphor for life especially for mums of my age who are maybe coming out of the fog of motherhood which is something I'm quite sort of big on you know and mm-hmm. it's sort of it's t- it's taking responsibility in general mm-hmm. for your own pleasure in life you cannot rely on anybody else to make you happy and it's something one of the things that was a huge revelation not a revelation but a realization for me after I had my bit of a wobble last year is that I can't expect other people to make me happy it has to come from me and mm-hmm. that presumably also translates as you say into sex and masturbation and toys I'm following toy tuesday with great 
excitement, honestly. <laughs> oh, good. I'm glad. <laughs> Just for those listening, Elizabeth does Toy Tuesday, where she talks us through another sex toy, which we can all go out and enjoy. <laughs> yes. Um, Talk to, um, just as we're talking about mums and um, women of my sort of age, I'm 47 now, so I'm heading full tilt into perimenopause and then will come the menopause. And that itself presents a little bit of a challenge mm-hmm. because libido is different. You Suddenly your body is different. You're, you know, you, it's a little bit like puberty in, in reverse, which nobody really talks about, mm-hmm. like, ever mm. what what do you what are your sort of top tips for women at my kind of stage of life with the hormones and so on oh yes I mean I'm 43 and I'm I'm I think I'm uh, coming into perimenopause and I'm sort of um I've noticed some signs myself and it's a little bit frustrating um I have seen um I have seen a very good uh, very good doctor in London who um, specializes in bioidentical hormone replacement and that that has helped me from the um, from the hormonal side of things mm-hmm. um it's means something that we can't ignore i think it maybe becomes even more important to look after yourself in terms of looking at what you eat mm-hmm. um i know i mean for example active women uh, who do a lot of sports um they need they need more more protein than before, for example. Mm, you know, we, yes. we, we lose uh, lean muscle mass. Uh, and so it becomes more important to focus on getting that protein in on actually doing um, more uh, heavy resistance training. Um, yes. And that's good for hormones and it's good, you know, for metabolism and, uh, you know, also I think for feeling good about, you know, your body resisting some of those changes. Yeah, that for the bone density and... And then inevitable, the inevitable sagging of yeah triceps. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah exactly, exactly, exactly. And um, um, and in terms of that, uh, I mean, for anyone who is listening who is an active woman of this age, um, I can really recommend Dr. Stacy Sims, and you can find her on uh, on Instagram. She has uh, she has written a book. It's a few years ago now. She's written a book called Roar. Um, and um, and she has some other resources, and so so that's very good, I think. And then it's, uh, I mean, if you look from a diet perspective, I think there are also um, different supplements you can take, like mm-hmm. for example, adaptogens like uh, ashwagandha, for example. Mm. That uh, I take some of those, and I think it's been uh, it's been very helpful. It helps me to stay more more energized and to yeah keep my mood a bit more. Mm-hmm. more even <laughs> yeah. um yeah. so but then I think also I don't know I mean what what would you say so I mean you're a few years older than me does it also have to do something with your with your with your attitude to um to life and to sex and to your body and you know what you decide is important I think so I wrote a blog post about six weeks ago two months ago about my body and how I genuinely one day just looked in the mirror and went, I love you mm-hmm. because my Lord, I, you know, it looks like any other middle-aged woman's body. It's got saggy bits and droopy bits and, you know, bits that I, bits of cellulites, stretch marks. I've breastfed two children. You know, I was, I've got huge scars on my legs from being born with dislocated hips. I've got wonky leg length difference. 
And I just thought to myself, do you know what? This body is incredible. And the first time I realized that, I mean, really, really realized it was when I finished the half marathon de Sable. Mm. And I, as you know, I was, well, I'm still not a runner. I just learned to run to do that. <laughs> and, <laughs> you are a runner. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I was not brought up sporty. I didn't start doing sport till I was nearly 39. And I just looked at that, my body blistered to all hell, but still going. And I could have kept going and I felt amazing. Mm-hmm. And the attitude, that was exactly as you say, the attitude change was just look what my body did. And the, 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 the advantage to starting sport at such a late age is that, you know, at 47, I'm not very fit at the moment, but my, I'm still getting stronger. Mm. I don't have any of the, oh, I can't do the things I did when I was 20 because I'm about 50 times fitter and healthier than I was mm. when I was 20 and just hanging out for Friday night in the student union. And, you know, I, there's this attitude of, you know, my kids are big and I've got so much I need to get on with. I cannot be doing, I can't, I haven't got time to be every time I catch a glimpse of myself in the mirror going, oh, well, oh dear. You know, and if my, if my triceps wobble, my bingo wings wobble when I'm brushing my teeth, well, I just need to do some more, go and do some more exercise. Mm. And I do when I feel like, you know, I, I don't, I'm not hard on myself physically and as in I don't judge my body anymore and I think that's been really important for me Mm. really important because your body does change after you've had kids it does change you know over the years with hormones with everything Mm. so yeah for me definitely it has been an attitude thing that I just think you know what it's got me this far and I've got hopefully another 40 odd years of adventures left in this body I just need to look after it and love it yeah (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm like you. I'm. I think I'm. I'm. I'm stronger than I've ever been. You know. And uh, does my body look the same like it did twenty years ago? Well, no, it doesn't. But actually, there's there are parts of it that I think are much better. <laughs> mm, yeah. And uh, I think it that can that comes down to how you choose to to look at it. Actually. Yeah. No, I, I agree. And um and when it comes to also when it and when it comes to sex and that I think just like the body changes through the course of life, I mean, so does our sex life and, and how the body functions mm. in that respect and maybe what we um what we like and what we don't like and what turns us on and, and sometimes maybe you just have to explore and, and try and find something new, you know, that maybe you know, you hadn't thought of before or... Exactly, particularly yeah. Particularly if you've been with a partner for a very long time, that, you know, it's easy to fall into mm-hmm. habits with sex as it is with anything else, especially, you know, if you've got young kids in the house and it's not something mm-hmm. you can devote a whole, a whole lot of time to, Yeah. Um, you know, it's a quick here and there. <laughs> um, you know, it's important, I think, to try yeah. and have the conversation where you say, hmm... So, yeah, remember when we yeah, first met? Exactly, and um, <laughs> there's a, there's a, um, a very good therapist called Esther Perel, and she has written a couple of books. And she talks about you know there that there is this sort of kind of conflict between you know being a 
uh, being a couple and you know having been married for a long time and like in marriage we we sort of seek um safety and security and and of course we we want that and we need that for our relationship to work but on the other hand sex and attraction um requires um you know excitement anticipation um more like opposites and so it's mm. like a challenge that when you know mm. when you grow too close together how can you still keep some separation how can you make things exciting and um but but i think it all it all starts with um with with communication and conversation and, and being able to talk about these things and how in your experience of talking to clients how often is is it simply the case that people are just too afraid or ashamed or embarrassed or conditioned just not to talk about things? Oh, it's extremely common. It's extremely common. So many people don't talk about sex. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> even with, bizarrely, even with the person that they're closest to. Yeah. And uh, what's so interesting about it, I think, is that is that if you if you can do it, if you can talk about sex, then I think you can talk about almost everything. Um, I wanted to ask you, you know, when I was growing up, or I, mean, I don't hear it so much now, but it was always the stereotype that men thought about se- uh, sex every three seconds or something. I can't remember what the actual stat was. <laughs> um, in your experience, is it absolute codswallop that men think about sex more than women? Or is just that women don't say that they think about sex very often? Yeah, I do think that that as women, we are kind of, taught that we shouldn't think about sex and these you know all of these norms that we talked about before so I think there is probably something something in that I mean I kind of maybe I just fall into the norm and I say I I think that maybe men think a little bit more about sex than women but I'm sure Mm. but I know that there are women who think a lot about sex so I And and so tell me, what are you? What are your plans? You're gonna you're still studying, and you're going to be qualifying soon. So I'll I'll be a certified sexologist in April, and then um, and then certified couples therapist uh, a bit later next year. Amazing! So that's the plan for just now. And COVID dependent, are there any running races to be had? Um, I don't think I will do any racing simply because. I, I just don't think I want to put my my body through that. I would love to race again, but mm. I would love to race just for fun. You know, be mm-hmm. the the chatty one at the back Yay! of the field. <laughs> um, and I think I can do that, but I don't think I can do that just yet. Right. Um, but just, I mean, I can, but I, I think I would come into a race like with some people don't people don't understand it. They think you're gonna win. You know, they think you, because you won mm-hmm. a few races, you're gonna win every race you enter. Like it doesn't work mm-hmm. like that. But I know that it's 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 very difficult. Many female ultra runners struggle because you have to push your body so hard, um, and there's always someone who's willing to go beyond what's healthy in the short term because mm. they don't think that it's going to harm them long term. They just don't think it's going to happen to them. Unfortunately, it is going to happen to them. So the problem is you're competing with those people. And I know that my body can't take that. So I think I'm, I'm going to, you know, um, be basically say to myself, no, I don't have to put myself through that. So 
long answer, but no, I don't think I will do any races soon, but I will do training camps um, depending on what, what happens with uh, COVID. And I still do running coaching. And so, I mean, I very much enjoy that. And I actually think that even though, I mean, I think in the longer term, I will focus more on the um, sexology and the couples therapy. Mm. I I would like to think that what I'm doing now is of great benefit to my coaching clients in running because you know running doesn't exist in a vacuum you know most people have relationships they have families um and they have a lot of things to navigate and when you train for an ultra marathon it's a big effort it takes a lot of time um takes a lot of energy and so actually you know having someone who understands all of that and you know those other dynamics around it i think um is useful no, it's very useful because mm-hmm. when I remember when I remember you said right back at the beginning uh, when you trained for your first marathon and it was so huge, which it is for when you train for your first one, because I remember right back at the beginning of our relationship, uh, Graham uh, trained for London Marathon and I thought he was training for hours and then mm-hmm. he went to triathlon and then he went to Ironman and then he went to ultra running. <laughs> And, you know, I just kept thinking, I wish you'd just go back to training for a marathon because, you know, the hours involved and the amount of energy that goes into preparing for such huge efforts is really hard on family life. Yes. And it's something that we have really struggled with over the years, especially as I'm mostly a full-time stay-at-home mum. Mm-hmm. He would be away working and then come home and then need to be out on a, you know, four, six, seven hour bike ride. And, you know, that is no longer the case necessarily, but it was really hard, mm-hmm. really, really hard for him and for me. Well, for, you know, and, and I, I can see how having that, both of those as a background would be very useful for runners and their partners mm-hmm. because it's very, um, yeah, it's very demanding. Yeah, it is. It is. It's not as it's not as simple as just being given a plan and follow it. You know, it's, no, it's a lot it more isn't. To it. And especially, mm. I would say, as a mum who was trying to, you know, training for things, there comes, you know, the, the sort of having to do it within the timeframes of school hours or, you know, picking up from wherever and activities and trying to, you know, and someone says, just follow the plan. And you're like, well. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So, and in Switzerland, well, the children are home for two hours at lunchtime. So, you know, it's just, yeah. (laughs) Anyway, so we can get hold of you. We can follow you on Instagram, Elizabeth Barnes and um, your website. Yeah. So my, so I have two Instagram accounts. So I have Elizabeth Barnes and then uh, without an H and -hmm. then I have ultra coach. Um, No, it's actually ultra dot coach yeah i think so anyway that's 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 just for for those people who are interested in running and don't want to hear anything about sex you can go there you're safe <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and then um uh, my website is elizabethbarnes.com brilliant well i'll put that in the show notes make sure the spelling is all correct elizabeth has been as i hoped an absolute an absolute pleasure chatting to you i love the breadth of things that we talked about and I hope that it has been interesting for you too and I look forward to hearing about the next steps and all the avenues that you follow. Thank you, thank you Kate, it was a real uh, a real pleasure, I really enjoyed this conversation and, uh, and um, I think it's fantastic that you've started this podcast so I wish you all the best of luck with it. Thank you very much, we'll speak to you another time hopefully. Great, thank you.
Thanks for joining me. I'll be back next week with another incredible episode of Chatting to a Friend. In the meantime, please give us a follow on Instagram, Chatting to a Friend, for all the latest news. Bye-bye.